You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. The episode you are about to listen to was originally available for Patreons only, but it's a brand new episode now available on all podcasting platforms. So there might be a few references that have already happened. Uh, apologies for that. And also apologies for any comments we make for non-patrons. Enjoy the episode and don't forget, it's not too late to join us on Patreon where you can listen to exclusive brand new episodes of Track by Track. Yes, every month there are at least two brand new episodes as well as access to the full Patreon-only back catalogue and our Patreon-only series, including further listening and the remix. Enjoy the episode and thanks for listening. listening to track by track with me dan and me will this is the festive music podcast that takes a great pop music album or movie soundtrack and breaks it down track by track and love actually is oh fuck wank bugger shitting ass head and hole christmas is all around because on the turntable this week we've got love actually the soundtrack and dan yeah love is all around actually yeah it really is especially at this time of year it's christmas eve will is it really are you ready no i'm not ready for christmas at all in fact you have just told me before we hit record you've not bought a single present yet no i'm gonna nip down to the co-op after we've recorded and just get everything there i love the danger of it all you do say that you work better under pressure yes and also if we time it just right they'll just be doing the reductions Mm. yeah Okay, makes <laughs> sense. Uh, but no, it is Christmas Eve, and uh, we it's slightly different for Christmas this year. Yes, we wanted to take our listeners' hands and guide them to the movies. So for the Patreon vote of December, it was a choice between Home Alone, The Muppets Christmas Carol, and Love Actually. And Love Actually won by a staggering amount, actually. Uh, and I can actually reveal, I have watched all three of those films uh, over the last couple of weeks. Really? As is the tradition in December, as I'm sure you do. Christmas films, we also have a long list at home of Christmas TV specials that we always like to watch at this time of year as well. It's a really festive viewing month, actually. I do, yeah. I, I, Christmas films are my favourite films. Christmas songs are my favourite. Christmas is my favourite genre of anything, uh, which comes no surprise, I'm sure, to regular listeners. But Love Actually, for me, normally, because the film starts five weeks before Christmas, I normally watch it on the actual day five weeks before Christmas. But this year, it was all changed. I watched it. You watched it in July, didn't you? Yes. Five <laughs> months before Christmas. I got confused. <laughs> watched it on July the 25th. When, no, when did you watch it? Just before recording, actually, Will. I really wanted to get the film uh, in my head. Yeah, so all those songs that we're going to talk about, you, you'll be able to remember exactly where in the story and in the film they landed. Although I'm sure, like a lot of our listeners, you've seen the film that many times that you don't need to do that. Well, exactly. The film is 19 years old this year, so I have seen this film at least 19 times because it is an annual staple, isn't it? And actually, this soundtrack is an eclectic mix of contemporary and classic pop music. Uh, we're also going to have the pleasure of hearing uh, an old-timer 
murderous classic, but also a young wee slip of a thing murderer classic as well mm, today. Yeah. Which is better or which is worse? We'll get we'll get to we'll it. Find we'll out. get to we'll it. We'll find out. Uh, and when are we going to exchange presents? Well, it's Christmas Eve, Will. You can't do... We don't do early reveals, do we? Or sneak peeks. No, and I was never allowed to open a present on Christmas Eve. I know some families do do that. Mm. I know this ridiculous Christmas Eve box is yeah. a thing now as well. That's crept into the to the Christmas conscious like uh, Elf on a Shelf. And I wonder who started it. Probably Mr. Supermarket Boss, Department Store Owner. Oh. Just to line his pockets. Muhammad al well, I'm not, I'm not mentioning any names, uh, or her. It could have been anyone. Uh, just as an extra way to squeeze some more money out of everyone at Christmas, uh, which is tougher this year for a lot of people, actually. It is. Uh, we have got some Mr. Kipling Winter Whirls in front of us as we're recording today. A real festive treat. Which is, is it... basically like a Mr. Kipling Viennese well with a bit of cinnamon in. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to complain because they're very tasty. Delicious. And um, the... The, the traffic light system, all in the red, which is good, isn't it, I think? Uh, for Christmas. Yeah. yeah, festive. Let's talk a little bit about Love Actually, the film. Yes. So this was the film was released uh, back in 2003, written and directed by rom-com maestro Richard Curtis. Richard Curtis, the legendary. Dan, what's your favourite Richard Curtis film? It would be Love Actually, but I have to say I rewatched About Time recently and I forgot how good that was. I love About Time. Also, Bill Nye's in it as well, isn't he? The wonderful Bill Nye. I, I don't really know Four Weddings and a Funeral that much. I love Four Weddings and a Funeral. I have to say that's probably my favourite one. And I'll tell you what else he had a hand in, uh, which was very good. Mamma Mia, here we go again. Not, not the original Mamma Mia. I don't think so. I think he just jumped on board for the sequel. He needed to give the script a bit of a polish. Yeah. But also, Richard Curtis is famous for a load of his TV work, including Blackadder, Vicarette Dibley, Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. A long-standing working relationship with Rowan Atkinson. Uh, and more about him, I'm sure, later. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, released in 2003, this was a... I think it was a c- commercially successful and uh, the British public and international audience loved it Mm. critically it wasn't as well received was it no because i think it is just too i don't think any richard curtis or many richard curtis films really win over the the main film critics and i think he's probably fine with that because the public love them and that's what it's all about really he's not making films for critics is he? he's making films for the public for things like this where people of all ages gather together and watch the film. That's what it's all about, isn't it? He knows exactly what he's doing. And I think what he also excels at is casting. And almost as legendary as the the, this, the film and the storylines in the film is the people in it. And, you know, when you when you read through the, a ginormous cast... Julia Davis. Julia Davis. Martin McCutcheon. Martin McCutcheon. Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson. Uh, Joanna Page from yes. Gavin and Stacey. Martin Huge Freeman names. from um, The Office. The Office. Uh, Chris Marshall from My Family. Nearly it's really household names. A-listers. A-listers. How did he get them all? But we're joking, of course, because you have got Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson, Hugh Grant, Colin Firth, Liam Neeson, Bill Nye, 
uh, Laura Linney, uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Denise Richards pops up at Denise, the end. Denise, yes, a bevy of Hollywood lovelies mm. as well. And that gorgeous man that Laura Linney nearly goes to bed with. Oh. Although it turns out, actually, not that nice a guy. He wasn't very understanding, was he? Well, I don't know because it's not clear, kind of, they both are a bit awkward around each other. So it's not clear who's... Mm. I mean, a, a poor brother, that poor lover, he tried to knock a bit of sense into her, didn't he? And uh, she wouldn't accept it. <laughs> but as we discovered in the follow-up, Red Nose Day, actually, she ended up with Patrick Dempsey. Do you know uh, what? Who, who was also with uh, Bridget Jones. Oh, really? In Bridget Jones's Baby. I've, I've only seen that one once at the cinema. I need to watch that again. Mm. And also, I've only seen Red Nose Day actually once, so I can't remember a thing about it. I just remember it was just after Alan Rickman died, wasn't it? So mm. Emma Thompson wasn't in it. But this year, it's probably already out now, there is um, a big anniversary celebration thing featuring a lot of the cast talking about the film, which is really annoying for me because it's they're talking about the 20th anniversary, but it was released 19 years ago this year, so what's going on? Uh, and they're probably all like, oh, well, actually, I had the best time on set. That's you, Grant, right? Love, actually. 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 And yeah, it was like one of the best acting jobs I've ever done. Martin McCutcheon. Yeah. Oh, do um, do Bill Nye. Well, uh, I'm actually, I was going to do him in that, in Pride. Pride. I'm gay. I'm gay, you know. Uh, Melba Staunton was in that, obviously opposite him. Yes. As his sister, I think it was. Or was it just a friend? Because she said she knew, didn't she? Family friend. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to do Pride, the Pride soundtrack next year. Oh, great. I don't know if treading in any toes of uh, Torn Stubbs. Oh, no. Or Mark Kermode and uh, Simon Mayo. They do what? Film? Yeah. Oh, good for them. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Love Actually, 2003, Red Nose Day, actually, 2017. Uh, we're going to talk about the soundtrack to Love Actually, which has got some class, absolute classics on there. Also, some way more up-to-date stuff on there as well. And there's some very track-by-track friendly songs yeah. on there as well. Which is why I think it won the vote so highly. So, shall we get stuck in? Yep, side one, track one, and we're starting with a very track-by-track friendly track. Oh, just to say as well, yeah, uh, because there's a few different versions kicking around out there and on streaming services, we are talking about the original UK-released soundtrack. I need to make that very clear. But hello to all our listeners in the States. And then hello to, to anyone looking at a different track listing on streaming services. Yes. But side one, track one on the UK soundtrack, uh, very track-by-track friendly... It's Girls Aloud and Jump. So jump there from Girls Aloud. Now, of course, we have spoken about this track before when we went track by track through their debut album, Sound of the Underground. This was the girls' fourth single. It was the first sign of new, newish uh, material following their debut album. And of course, did feature on the repackaged version of their debut album. But this was wonderful, wasn't it? Because this was the first 
well, I was going to say it's the first cover we got from them, but technically not. It's the first well-known cover we got from them, and they really did put their own stamp on it. And it's a it's a rite of passage, isn't it, for a pop group, I think, to, at some point during their career, either record a significant track for a film soundtrack or cover a classic song for a film soundtrack. And this was Girls Allowed Early Doors on this. Uh, Brian Higgins and Janomania produced this cover version and they made it a even more high-energy, noughties pop song. Mm. Very faithful to the original. Yep. But do you know what? I listened to it uh, a, while, a little while ago and it was still really fresh and it still had me kind of bobbing away. Yeah. And this, um, it's funny, isn't it, that this is the first track we're going to talk about? It's on the soundtrack, although yeah, it wasn't actually featured in the film in the end. No. It, of course, features in the scene where the Prime Minister, Hugh Grant, is having a boogie round 10 Downing Street. And it is the Pointer Sisters original version, which, for anyone who didn't know, was released in 1984. Um, from what I read, and I think you maybe read the same, Will, it was supposed to be the Girls Loud version in the film. And then Richard Curtis or whoever decided that the original would work better. I kind of am inclined to agree with them. I think the Prime Minister would be more likely to dance to the original. Yes, also, I think there was an issue, not an issue, a concern that Girls Aloud at the time weren't uh, like internationally known or recognised either. Although the, the the song does get played at the end on the credits. Yes, it's the second song on the UK version of the credits. Um, but in the US, it was replaced with Too Lost in You because that doesn't feature in the film. Um, For similar reasons, I'd imagine. Yes. So actually, as far as I can see, this doesn't feature in the American version of the film or... On the end credits. Or on the credits at all. And then Sugar Babes doesn't feature in the American version of the film either. And Bit what, of a shit show, actually. Yeah. And actually what... Actually. What I should say before that um, is that it's not on the US soundtrack either. You've got the Point Sisters version on that. Mm. So what could have been a huge big break for Girls Aloud in America... Sadly not. Thankfully, Cheryl got her big break on the X Factor over there, though. <laughs> and, Dan, we've had three Prime Ministers in the UK this year. Uh, three wonderful Prime Ministers. Boris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Liz Truss. Who? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's politics. Mm. Uh, and Rishi Sunak. Of the three of those, which of them do you think would be most likely to prance around Downing Street to... Pointer Sisters or Girls Aloud singing Jump? Definitely not Rishi. No. No. Doesn't look like any fun at all. No, absolutely not. Um, Liz, I'm not sure she'd be there long enough to learn the choreography, to be honest. And Boris, he's made a fool of himself many, many times. So probably more likely to be him. Also, he's already parodied a scene from Love Actually, hasn't he? Oh, God. I was hoping that wasn't going to come up in this episode because I did think about it the other day. Yeah. Uh, which if you don't know, look don't, for it. I'm not talking about it. No. <laughs> I'm not here to talk about things. Uh, do you know who would dance around to anything for money? Theresa May. No, well, no. Uh, Matt Handcock. Oh, yes. Mm. He'd yeah. do anything. So desperate. He'll probably be on The Masked Dancer. So, yeah. He'll year. do them all. He'll do The Masked Dancer. He'll do... Oh, but celebs go dating if things go oh, awry again. Yeah. He'll do The Farm. If that, they bring 
bring that back on Channel 5. Be milking a pig, a male pig. A celebrity bargain hunt. Yeah. Well, that one's not too bad. Sometimes they've got some nice... The lovely Bananarama ladies did that. Oh, Celebrity Pointless, he'll do. Oh, I tell you what he would definitely do. Celebrity MasterChef. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Stand Up to Cancer Bake Off. No, they wouldn't have him for us. No, as, no. They get some good names on that. Oh, I bet I know what he'd love to do, mm. but they would never say yes. Big Brother. Strictly. Oh, no, they wouldn't. I think they've got a bit of a rule where if you, if you go in the jungle or Big Brother, they're very selective over if they well more so because of who he is oh and that as well the fact that yeah anyway enough about Matt he'd probably go on Dancing on Ice I'll have anyone on there I thought you'd probably get on there oh what do you think yeah Mm. you'd be one of those contestants that gets on there has a horrific injury in week two and then disappears again I'd make sure of it but I've got paid (laughs) I've taken the lot anyway that's enough about Kendall Roy I mean Matt Hancock (laughs) Uh, let's go back to this song this was a single and it was released in November 2003 to coincide with the film. Yes, it was. And it got to number two in the charts. It got to number two, which is incredible because fourth single, you know, reality show band, almost a year into their career. You know, this this really did show that they were onto something big and they weren't going to be forgotten about. Um, it's a real shame they didn't get the top spot, but that was taken from a new entry by Westlife with Mandy. Uh well, another cover of a classic another song. Another cover. Elsewhere in the top 10 that week, you had a top 10 at number 10 with Miracles by Pet Shop Boys. And you also had a top 10 at number 5 with Lamar with 50-50 slash Lullaby, double A side. And also at number 3 with uh, fellow Fame Academy alumni Alex Parks with Maybe That's What It Takes. And do you know what? Randomly, I listened to some of uh, Alex Parks' first album this week. Just popped in my head. Okay, moving on then. Track two, Sugar Babes, Too Lost in You. Baby, I'm too in you and uh, nothing says the Christmas party season like karaoke and when I stopped playing that track Dan was still singing and I have to say Dan you sounded fantastic well I didn't tell you actually I've not told you once this year but my New Year's resolution was to work on my singing my technique my breathing uh, for some lessons so I hoped it would pay off actually I just wanted one little compliment from you this year and on our last new episode of the year right at the end paid off yeah so, Too Lost in You by the Sugar Babes. Uh, that was a version, a Love Actually version of the track. So, the single release is actually slightly different. And I have to say, I prefer the original, the single version. Mm. It's, it's an absolute stunner. And I think for many people, it's a real favourite of Sugar Babes. Having said that, and all the success that they've had this year and the incredible live shows they've had, I think every single song of theirs is a favourite because, you know, what a discography. But there's something about the emotion in this song that really just the, well the emotion and the performance of it as well mm. it just it, it it resonates with people well and Richard Curtis uh, agreed because he personally wanted this song to be featured on the soundtrack uh, and it was a fantastic moment in the film wasn't it when this song was playing 
Very emotional. Very emotional. But another moment where it was different in the US. And funnily enough, last Christmas, not the film or the song, literally last Christmas. Oh, I love that film, Last Christmas. No, not that or the song. No, but I do like it. Oh. And Emma Thompson's in it as well. The love, yeah, she loves a crazy film. Mm. Um, love Actually was on TV and it got to the scene where this normally features, which is the Christmas party where that absolute vile woman is, oh. you know, making advances and whatnot. And it was so weird because it wasn't this song playing. It was Kelly Clarkson's The Trouble With Love Is. And I realized that actually it was the US version of the film playing. Oh. In the UK, I thought it was really strange. And yeah, that's one of the other uh, differences. As we mentioned in the before, in the US, then Two Lost and You is on the credits, whereas in the UK, we had The Trouble With Love Is on the credits. It's it's funny because the changes that they made to this, because it's a very British film, isn't it? Yeah. And it still would be, apart from the music being changed. They also did a similar thing in for Red Nose Day, actually. They uh, changed, they added an additional story in featuring Laura Linney's character and Patrick Dempsey mm. as her partner, but also the Rowan Atkinson bit, the shop that he was working in was changed to be an American shop and an American kid. Really? For the Red Nose Day, actually, because th- that's a thing in the US now as well. Yeah. A couple of months later. Wow. I do need to watch that again. Now, this was uh, a, sing- a Sugar Babe single and notable because it features one of their best B-sides, Someone in My Bed, in my honest opinion. Which, spoiler alert. Or it, or maybe not. Or not, depending on what uh, tier you're on, did feature in our Sugar Babe's further listening. But yes, it was a single, Will. This was released at the end of December 2003, so Christmas week. A bid for Christmas number one. Didn't quite get there. This entered at number 10, where it stayed for two weeks, actually. So good for them. Are we saying actually more than normal? Or is it just because <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Do I think I just we're realize? just hyper-aware of it because yeah. of, the, of what we're talking about today. Because I think we do say it a lot anyway. We do. I'm going to read out the full uh, top 10 because it's Christmas week and it's uh, some classic stuff in here. So number nine, Shane Ritchie with I'm Your Man. <laughs> Completely <laughs> forgot that he did that cover until just reading it there. Is there anything he won't try to do? Well, did you read that... A few years ago, that he was almost the Doctor. Doctor Who. No. Yeah, read that yesterday. No. Yeah. No. Honestly. Oh. There could have been a rumour or a lie, but I did read it. Number eight, a new entry for Atomic Kitten with Ladies Night. Number seven, Black Eyed Peas with Shut Up. Six, Will Young leave right now. Number five, a new entry for The Idols with Happy Christmas War is Over. Number four, a new entry for Bo Selected with Proper Crimbo. Number three, Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne with Changes. Number two, a new entry for Darkness with Christmas Time, Don't Let the Bells End. And number one, Michael Andrews and Gary Jules with Mad World. Oh, that uh, Kelly Osbourne and Ozzy Osbourne cover of Changes, awful. Awful, absolutely awful. Absolutely horrendous. And a number one. Was it number one? Yeah. Is that we're going through <laughs> Changes? And is that Kelly or Ozzy? <laughs> Equally. Could be no. either. You know the Osbournes are coming back to TV. Are they? Mm. Streaming. Uh, BBC, I think. This could be another thing where you say really and I say, I don't know, I might really? have read that somewhere. I don't know, I might have read that somewhere. I had Shane Ritchie through the first brick at Stonewall. Really? Yeah. Well, good for him, actually. Also, we've got to talk about the songwriter of this, Diane Warren, the legendary Diane Warren. If you didn't know, she has written the likes of 
If I Could Turn Back Time by Cher, Because You Love Me by Celine Dion, How Do I Live by Leanne Rimes, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith, and of course, Numb by Pet Shop Boys. Uh, and she wrote an English version of this song because it wasn't actually an original. Really? It was a cover of uh, Quand J'ai Perdu Tout. Well, I didn't know that. By Patricia Cass. Do you remember the video for this song? Strolling through an airport. Uh, it was Victoria Coach Station. Was it actually? No. Oh, I was going to say. Man. It was uh, London Southend Airport. Oh, really? <laughs> it's London Stansted Airport. But I guess totally fits in with the themes and scenes from the film as, yeah. uh, as well. Uh, it was a great period of time for Sugar Babes as well, this song, wasn't it? Yeah, this was from the Three album, which we haven't done on Track by Track yet, but does turn 20 next year. That's does the film. I'm just looking at the track listing. Oh. Okay, we're on to track number three now. Oh, it's Kelly Lovey. Oh. The trouble with love is. Oh, I think we're Kelly Lovey. with Love Is Love. We've mentioned this song on the previous two songs already. So in the UK, this featured on the credits. In the US, it's featured at the infamous naughty office party scene. It wasn't as naughty as some office parties, of course. But this was a really interesting song, wasn't it? Because this was the second single we had from Kelly Clarkson, the winner of the first American Idol. So it was really interesting to see you know, what this artist was going to do. What did you think about this song then, Will, when you first heard it after... Miss Independent. Oh, well, Dan, I hate to correct you, but it was actually the fourth and final single to be released from her debut album. Sorry, I was just talking about UK releases. Oh. (laughs) You said that with a big smile on your face. (laughs) At Christmas. Um, I was a little bit disappointed when this was the follow-up single, but actually in the context of Love Actually, and in terms of a replacement to switch it out with Too Lost In You... I think it's a very nice, you know, the themes and the vibe is very similar. And I also think Kelly Clarkson's got an incredible voice. It's huge talent as well. So, you know, she certainly elevates this, what could have been quite a saccharine sweet ballad into something a little bit more soulful. I love the fact that she's kind of reinvigorated her life, her career with her talk show in the US. Mm where she also sings and does incredible covers of songs as well, with a Kelly-Oki. Kelly-Oki. I also love that she has become another queen of Christmas, mm. with not one but two incredible, actually, Christmas albums. Uh, and of course, Underneath the Tree has become a Christmas staple now, hasn't it? Uh, it's also where you end up uh, after your infamous Christmas party <laughs> yes. at the start of December. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, where? How did this do? So, as yeah, second single in the UK, not to hammer home that point. Um, the first single, Miss Independent, did very well. That peaked at number six. This one entered and peaked at number 35 before dropping out the charts the next week. And this was in November of 2003, of course, tying in with the film release. So it wasn't a huge hit. And it was actually released the same week as Jump 
by Girls Aloud. So I'm not going to read the top ten out again. Uh, and little did we know when this was released what was what we were yet to receive from Kelly Clarkson, as in some absolutely huge pop bangers. Mm. In fact, I'd love to about time style. I'd love to travel back in time and tell my past self about since you've been gone. Yeah, and. Behind these hazel eyes. Oh, yeah. Love that one. Rocky. Dead Rocky. Dead Rocky. And this was written by Carl Sturken and Evan Rogers, who I'm pretty sure we haven't spoken about before. They have worked with the likes of Boyzone on All That I Need, NSYNC with God Must Have Spent a Little More Time on You, which (laughs) I don't even recognise that song. It sounds awful. Dan, Hmm? God Must Have Spent a Little Less Time on You. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you very much. (laughs) Because he didn't need to spend too much on me. Is that what you mean? No. I'll take it as that. (laughs) Also, lots of work with Rihanna from her first single, Ponder Replay, and throughout her career. So we're on to track four now. We've had three brand new tracks for the soundtrack. We've got a bit of a classic now. This is Dido and Here With Me. by Dido. Now I've talked about this being a classic song and not new for the soundtrack. What I didn't realise is that actually in the UK it only charted two years ahead of uh, Love Actually. This was released in 2001 by Dido. Second release I think following the success of Stan and of course we got to hear her voice on Stan which sampled Thank You and I think we were all kind of intrigued to hear what else this singer had, this UK singer had. I loved this song and I still love this song. I think it's such a, such an interesting production. And that comes from an old friend of the podcast, Will, who's mm. probably doing some work on TV over Christmas. Rick Knowles. Yeah, it's probably DIY SOS Christmas special. Mm. Where does he find the time? Uh, I know, he's just, uh, just such a... Such a star. Christmas star. Christmas star. Is a new... Not, is a new... Uh, Noel Edmonds. say Noel Fielding, but Noel Edmonds, yeah. <laughs> oh, Noel Fielding's... No. Noel Fielding's Christmas presents. No, Nick Noel's Christmas presents has a better ring to it, oh. actually. When he knocks on you, do oh, all right. <laughs> Terrified. Think got a bailiff. to Florida here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope they've got that on Channel 5. Bailiff's at Christmas. Oh, yeah. Can't pay. We'll take it away at Christmas. We'll take it away on a sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> That was Father Christmas. And then, <laughs> and then they put the three-piece suite and the PlayStation and everything on the back and disappear with it. Oh, it's like might... the reverse of Noel's Christmas presents. Yes, but they shouldn't get themselves into that. No, no, there's no excuse for it either. No, no. I just—it's a great idea. God, hey. We should do it before Channel Five does. I know. <laughs> we'll sell it to um, what's that channel? I'll take anything now. That's doing neighbours. Free oh, Wii, Amazon Free Wii. Yeah. Put it on <laughs> Amazon <there>. Shiwi. <laughs> Actually, you can buy Shiwi on Amazon. You use one at Glastonbury, don't you? Uh, do you know, it's a godsend. Mm. And I'll you need like it. Sit, you like a sit-down Wii? Well, I'll, I'll need it. Um, is a Shiwi one of those ones you can go in and then sort of seal it up and put it in your bag? 
Or is oh. it a funnel that means you can go... I imagine it's sort of a flat funnel, so it can... Uh... We'll find out whilst the next song's playing. Yeah. But it and, might be, uh, <laughs> you might need something like that for Elton John, because the crowd will be so big at Glastonbury next year. Oh, that's going to be incredible, isn't it? Now, I, I love this song as well. It's so emotional. It just seems really silly to be... After all that nonsense we were just talking about, to then go really serious and say how powerful and emotional uh, this song is. Uh, say, similarly with Dido's voice as well. And this was her debut as well. So it, this really set the tone for Dido's sound and approach to music. This, Although she did venture into other corners, this was always her go-to with these really powerful... They're not even ballads, are they? They're sort of pop rock, mm. pop rock ballads. Yes. Because we said before, this was Rick Knowles, not Nick, of course. This was also co-written with Pascal Gabriel, which I didn't realise before, who, of course, we've talked about many times, lots of work with Kylie. I didn't realise there's that mm. much of a pop connection with Dido. And, of course, lots of work with her brother, Rollo. And I know you thought I was going to say Rollo, and you have to correct me. But finally, I've learned my lesson. Finally, at Christmas. At Christmas. Yeah, so she has a celebrity music connection with Rollo from Faithless. Obviously, Faithless, fantastic dance production, remixes, uh, artists. Rollo, Sister Bliss. Yep. Fantastic. Responsible for some of my favourite dance music and dance remixes as well over the years. And that wonderful production on the... Pet Shop Boys Nightlife album. Mm. Just the, what he brings to that sound, as we discussed, of course. Uh, also, w- one thing I always remember with Rollo and Sister Bliss, uh, their remix of I Feel Love. Yeah, I forget about that. Mm, yeah. Absolute anthem. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, I was surprised this wasn't number one. It was, got to number four when it was released. It did, yeah. And as you mentioned, this was originally the, le- the debut single, lead single from the album, which I believe didn't chart, first of all. Because Dido's first charting single was No Angel in August of 2000. So just a few weeks before Stan came out with Eminem. And that peaked to number 97. But then following the success of Stan, this was released in February of 2001. Entering and peaking at number four. Um, But the album No Angel, everybody had, didn't they? Mm. And it was one of those that was in the charts for a good two or three years hanging around the top 10 top 20 it was like uh one of those albums like uh jagged little pill yeah talk on corners or uh definitely maybe you know it was one of those albums uh pulps different class one of those albums everyone no matter what flavor of pop you're into it seemed to be one of those albums that just transcended and everybody was into now do you remember when the bit in Love Actually that this was from. I do. Do you remember? Yes. And just a reminder, uh, Keira Knightley was 17 when this uh, film was made. Really? Yes. I forget. I, well, I didn't know that. And just a reminder. Yeah? She uh, was starting off in her acting career. Ah. Ah. And I have to say, I, yeah, the, I remember the scene. It's when she goes round to Andrew Lincoln's yes. workshop studio thing. Wants to see the wedding videos. Oh, can I take a peek? (laughs) I look quite pretty. (laughs) They're all of me. (laughs) 
Um, and then he storms out, doesn't he? And one of my favorite bits of the film is when he's storming out, the camera pans out, this song's playing, and then he stops and he just kind of, you can't hear it, but he just kind of screams in the middle of the street and a man passing by with shopping bags, an old man passing by with shopping bags kind of makes him jump. And it's nothing funnier than seeing someone being made jump. And in my head, I like to think that person didn't know that was going to happen. It was real. Also, obviously he does very well for himself because uh, when he storms out, within about 30 seconds, he's on the River Thames. Yeah. So good for him, actually. Mm. He's been one of those wharfs. Yeah, lovely wharf. Christmas wharf. And just to jump back to this as a single, so enter the charts at number four. A new entry that week, Jakarta with American Dream at number three. Sounds like the start of Frozen or Frozen 2. And interestingly, uh, number one and number two sticking in the same place that week. Number two, Wheatus with Teenage Dirtbag. And number one, Atomic Kitten with Hole Again. Track five then, and this is Billy Mack with Christmas Is All Around. Christmas, I always will. My mind's made up the way that I feel. There's no beginning, there'll be no end. Cause on Christmas, you can depend. You gave your presents to me. Christmas is all around there by a friend of the podcast. Billy Mac. Yeah. Big, big, big um, supporter and listener of the podcast, actually. Imagine having him on track by track. He'd have even more of a potty mouth than Amy Douglas. It's <laughs> <laughs> not possible. <laughs> so this is obviously Bill Nye as Billy in character uh, in a full recorded version, studio version of the song that he is uh, working on uh, and having success with through the film, throughout the film. And it's a cover of Love Is All Around by Wet, Wet, Wet. Uh, and it's a, uh, a not-so-subtle uh, jibe at those Christmas songs that are basically reworkings of old hits. Just tweaked around slightly. And I hate to correct you, Will, uh, but Love Is All Around, of course, a cover itself, originally recorded in 1967 by The Trogs. Well, I was going to come on to that, Dan, but well... you took the wind out of my sails there. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that you, I would expect you to say. <laughs> uh, and yeah, they, they make a real joke of all of the things they've added to this song. Uh, extra words, lines, syllables. Syllables. <laughs> and all sorts. And, and jingle to, bells. Uh, <laughs> pardon? And extra jingle bells. Mm, yes. Yeah, so the production in this is very much a kind of fake orchestral, uh, overproduced version with bells and chimes and whistles and everything you'd expect in it. For me, one of my favourite stories running through this is that because of the lampooning of the music industry, of ageing rockers uh, and of you know the Christmas, the race for Christmas number one, uh, and obviously very memorable when he meets Ant or Deck as well. <laughs> yes, I love that bit. Do you, has anyone ever referred to us as Will or Dan? No, but there are some people, I've seen a few comments who they can't tell whose voice is who. Obviously, we say at the beginning our names, but then I guess as you're getting into the episode, um, you might get confused. Yeah, there's some people who see a photo. It's normally when we share a photo, which is quite a rare thing, and they're saying which one's which. One's which. 
And obviously the other um, one lovely nod and throwback is the fact that Love is All Around by Wet 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 was featured in For Weddings and a Funeral, which is yes. another Richard Curtis film. Do you think he saved a bit of money? Yeah, he must have had a bit of a deal. But also that song was so huge because of Four Weddings that it was ripe for this treatment in this film. Uh, but I'd have never had it pegged to be a come a Christmas song. No, I don't think anyone did. And that's the that's the beauty of it. I would love to know as well whether there were any other songs in the running to to f- make festive for the film. Or was it always going to be this one? Bill Nye as well, a fantastic actor. Absolutely fantastic, sensational in everything that he's in. And uh, seems like a genuinely nice guy as well. And surprisingly, Will, this was actually released as a single in a bid for that year's Christmas number one. Oh, really? Yes. So the same week as Two Lost in You, but this one peaked at number 26. Oh. Just one place behind another serious contender for Christmas number one at number 25. It was the Fast Food Rockers with I Love Christmas. Oh. <laughs> there is an album, Will. There is an album. And we'll leave that at that, I think. So track six then, this is Nora Jones with Turn Me On. Like a flower Waiting to bloom Like a light bulb In a dark room I'm just sitting here So Turn Me On from Nora Jones there. Now I have to say, ahead of Love Actually, I wasn't the biggest Nora Jones fan. Just that whole slow, jazzy, wispy style just did absolutely nothing for me at the time. But I always appreciated this song on the soundtrack and in the film because, you know, it's such a well-curated soundtrack for what the film is. This really does set a scene. Yeah, and you need a bit of soul as well. In a romantic comedy, it can't all be cover versions and uh, and big pop songs, although this is a cover version. Uh, but can can you remember the the bit in the film where this is? Yes, well, this is used at the office Christmas drinks where Laura Linney has a little dance with her man. Oh, yes. And it's a lovely, sensual moment uh, before they start whipping each other's clothes off. Uh, and obviously, at the time, you don't know it's about to be abruptly ended by calls from her... Unwell brother. Mm. Which, uh, of course, is done in a comedic way as well. You're torn, aren't you, between feeling for her, laughing along, as as that kind of film does so well. And this song, so yes, not a single in the UK. And this is a cover, actually, uh, originally done in 1961 by Mark Dinning and has also been covered by the likes of Nina Simone. And I have to say, I don't listen to much Nora Jones since, um, but what she does, she does very well. Yeah, she's got an incredible voice. Mm. Old soul. Yes. Okay, track seven now. Speaking of old souls. Mm. Eva Cassidy with Songbird. Do you
Songbird there uh, by Eva Cassidy. So in terms of the soundtrack at this midpoint, we've reached a little bit of a lull, haven't we? Yeah, some of these more heartfelt moments all put together. But in the film, this is another significant moment, isn't it? Yes, well, this is the continuation of Laura Linney's story. So this is playing just as she's taking the gentleman upstairs. And that wonderful laid out apartment, I have to say, I do love that kind of mezzanine oh, she's bedroom. she's got a duplex, hasn't mm. she? Mm. Duplex, isn't that big chunky Lego for kids? <laughs> Duplo. Oh, and she does that. Oh, come upstairs in 30 seconds and she has to chuck all of her uh, knickers, dirty knickers yeah. in, the, in the washing basket. Well, we don't know they're dirty. <laughs> <laughs> they're dirty. And she does that little celebratory dance around the corner as well, yeah. which is fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a lovely moment. Oh, it's also heartbreaking, isn't it, that? Because you just really want them to get together and see his bottom yeah. as well. Yeah, and we get to see her... Lovely lady lumps. Yes, I suppose fair's fair. Yeah. And all of that. Uh, Also, uh, you see Joanna Page's breasts as well, don't you, in the film? Breasts ahoy in that film. Breasts ahoy. It really is. Uh, But, you know, you do get something because you get that strapping man as well. Martin Freeman. (laughs) Hobbit. And this song, heartbreaking for so many reasons. Of course, this was released on a posthumous album from Eva Cassidy, who passed away at such... A young age uh, and, and didn't become known for her voice around the world uh, like she did while she was still alive, which is a tragic story. But also, of course, just a few weeks ago, Christine McVie, who wrote this song for the Fleetwood Mac album Rumours, passed away as well. Uh, and th- the Fleetwood Mac version, the original, is stunning. This version gives it a you know a kind of new spin, as Eva Cassidy did. Um, but it is one of those songs, whenever I hear either version of this song, you know, I feel the mood of the song. Uh, and yeah, this this very poignant current relevance that this song now has almost transcends what we were talk- talking about it in the context of uh, a frothy romantic comedy, doesn't it? Yeah. Because she made such an incredible contribution, not just to Fleetwood Mac's career, but to the music scene. Yeah, absolutely. A yeah, A lot of people very shocked and saddened by her death. And this was from Eva Cassidy's Songbird album, as I said. This, and I meant to say this for Nora Jones' album as well um, previously. Those two albums, as with Dido's, were just everywhere, weren't they? They were in the charts. This was in the charts for 156 weeks. Nora Jones, uh, Come Away With Me, 150-something weeks as well. I think Richard Curtis, even though these weren't UK singles, he knew he was picking songs that resonated with people but weren't too obvious. And I say he will because I'm, you know, I'm sure in these films there is a, a, a music producer, music expert, whatever. Uh, I imagine he had a big hand in the music. I think I've read, you know, that it's the music of the film is very important to him. Obviously, actually, actually. Uh, track number eight now, and this is another point where things are slightly different depending on what version of the film you uh, see. Uh, it's "Sweetest Goodbye" from Maroon Five. And with a tear in my eye Give me the sweetest goodbye That I ever, ever, ever did receive Pushing forward and arching back Bring me closer to heart attack Say goodbye and just fly away 
so that's Sweetest Goodbye by Maroon 5. What a great time to talk about the fantastic album, soundtrack album, artwork. <laughs> yes. Because uh, it's basically the movie cover, the, the poster, the, the image for the use for the film. Yep. Which is, is it iconic? Yes. It's certainly... Noticeable, it's certainly memorable. noticeable. <laughs> it's certainly present in more ways than one because it's wrapped up like a present. Uh, but this is where you see all of the uh, different uh, characters from the film. Uh, however, I do think... I'm not a fan of Maroon 5. I think I think their music is bland and insipid, and I think he is a prick. Well, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. I will say, just on the song, and I won't deny it uh, or take away from anything you've said... This debut album I really, really enjoyed. This was released in 2002. Another huge album. This wasn't a single, but it was the closing track on the album. And I loved this song. There was something about the delivery of it, how it built. Uh, the outro to the song is really incredible as well. So I, I had the album first. I was really glad to see it being used on the soundtrack. And in the film, I believe this is playing in the radio, on the radio, sorry, and in the radio technically, uh, of the van where Colin is being dropped off to go to America. Mm. Uh, and in the UK, you get Sweetest Goodbye, but in the US, it's a medley with Sweetest Goodbye Sunday morning. But I will just use this. We're talking about the album artwork, also the film poster artwork as well, which is very uh, noticeable. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I remember in 2003... French and Saunders did a Christmas special and it was called French and Saunders Actually. Ah. And they used that same sort of typography and imagery for like the titles. Uh, and uh, and on the on the on the on that bit, on the introduction to it, and in a photo I've seen, there is an image of uh clearly what was meant to be a Love Actually spoof with Jennifer Saunders uh, dressed up as Hugh Grant. Uh, and John French as Martin McCutcheon again, uh, but it never actually featured in the episode. How so strange. it must have got it, they must have filmed it, but it never actually made it into the final episode. Do you think it just wasn't funny enough? Maybe it wasn't funny enough. Interesting. Uh, Dawn, Jennifer, if you're listening, do let us know. We'd love but I to... just vividly remember seeing that as an image and getting excited to think, "Oh, great! French saunas are going to take the piss out of love." Actually, Good. but then it was. I mean, it was a very good special of theirs because there's a brilliant Rosemary and Time oh. spoof in it, amongst other things, uh, if you remember that show. Uh, but no love, actually. Although they still called it French and Saunas, actually. By that point, they probably got the posters made up by the local printers and, you know, <laughs> yeah, don't waste that money. Couldn't be asked to change no. it. No. Yeah. I have to say, though, on Maroon 5, post this album, I didn't really like anything that they did. And I particularly hated it when... You know, it was all just Moves Like Jagger and all that. Which Moves Like Jagger, I think, is one of the most streamed songs ever or something like that. But I, I remember reading an interview with Adam Levine, I want to say, potentially, where he said he just liked writing big hits that people sing along to and do really well in the charts. I, there's something about the way he worked. I mean, that's great. I'm sure it's great having people sing your songs back to you. And I'm sure it makes lots of money. But there's something about it that seemed really shallow. Like he doesn't want to make music that he wants to make. He wants to make music that's just a hit. So moving on then, track nine, The Calling and Wherever You Will Go. Now, 
my life and love might still go on in your heart, in your mind. I'll stay with you. So wherever you will go there by the calling and what a great time to talk about the fantastic film. Oh, no, you've done that, haven't you? I've done it. Yeah, just did it for Marine 5. I have to say, even when this song first came out, I was not a fan. I'm sorry to say there's just something about this song that I'm putting in the brackets of or in the category with things like Summer of 69 or Living on a Prayer. Just that middle of the road, uh, sing-along rocky thing it's not for me will although this was a huge hit record globally when it came out for the calling um i think it had like some huge record in the states and it certainly did well in the uk as well it got to number three in the uk single three in the uk singles charts uh and i don't i think the calling are a big band and i know a few people who are massive fans but for me i couldn't name another song by them no, I was, when you said that, I was quite surprised that you know people who are fans because I don't know another song of theirs. Um, this one, I think part of the reason I don't, maybe I didn't mind it at the start, but it was one of those songs that was played and played and played to death. And do you remember the very sexy moment in the film that this song features in? I don't. It's when uh, my family's Chris Marshall uh, engages in a late night bedroom yes. uh, moment entanglement with the lovely ladies of Wisconsin. You're right. Yes. Good for him, actually. Yeah. And he was he was dead set on going to America and meeting a girl. He pissed off Julia Davis and then and then ran off. Uh, can you remember the name of his friend? I am terrible with no, characters No, I can't remember either. I... I'm so bad. My other half, Ashley, everyone I'm sure knows, gets really mad because when we're watching something, he'll talk about a character. Like we recently watched Rings of Power uh, and House of Dragon. I couldn't tell you a single character name from either of those things. I I forget your name sometimes. Track 10 then, it's Texas and I'll See It Through. You're all I ever wanted. You're all I ever needed. It's you. You're all I've ever wanted But loving you's the right thing to do And I'll see it through When I close my eyes So Texas there and you can't mistake Charlene Spitari's No, I've said that wrong. And you can't mistake Charlene Spiteri's stunning voice, that soulful, emotional voice with the Scottish twang. Uh, and I think this is just lovely. Great production as well. I love the strings on this. And, you know, we're, we're, we're well-versed with Texas and their pop, rock, slightly dance-tinged songs. Mm. But this is something uh, very traditional. And really lovely. It's no surprise 
that uh, one of the co-writers on this is Guy Chambers. Yes. It's totally. You can totally see, hear it. You really can. I think this was around the time when he just parted ways with Robbie, wasn't it? Uh, or maybe that's part of the reason why they parted ways, because he wanted to do more work with other artists. But it's a match made in heaven. And I think this is a really, really underrated Texas single. Because like you said, that that production and those strings and Charlene's delivery, particularly later in the track, when she really yearns and yelps and uh, and really gives it her all, uh, it's phenomenal. How did it do as a single, Dan? I'm afraid to say, Will, that in the top 40 in 2003, the week before uh, the Christmas chart, it entered and peaked at number 40. Oh, it's a top 40 hit. It's a top 40 hit. Yeah. Yeah. Well so they put a positive spin on it. It's top 40 hit. It's not, I'm afraid to say. Sorry about that. I don't know what came over me. Uh, but just to have a quick look at the top 10 that week, because we've talked about the top 10 that came afterwards with the top 10 this week. New entries from Cheeky Girls at number 10 with Have a Cheeky Christmas. Christina at number 9 with The Voice Within. Evanescence at number 7 with My Immortal. Cliff Richard at number 5 with Santa's List. He's currently doing the rounds with a new Christmas album. And at number one, knocking off Will Young's lead right now, it was Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne with Changes. Ah, so that's, yeah, all fits together. All fits together. And do you remember where it featured in the film? Uh, um, I don't, actually. Actually? Actually. Uh, and I, I can forgive you for this one, Will, because it's not a very pivotal moment. This, again, I think this is on the radio in the background in Harry's office when he's talking to Sarah played by Laura Linney, about Carl. Then he goes over Carl? to that bitch Mia. Night Carl. Carl. Night Carl. Night Carl. I don't want something I want. I want something I need. Yeah. No. I don't want something I need. I want something I want. Uh, oh, and this follows it quite nicely. Uh, it's that time. Mm. It's Joni Mitchell time. Oh, God. I've got a shiver just you saying that. Uh, both sides now. I've looked at clouds From both sides now Come up and down, and still somehow, it's cloud illusions I recall. I really don't know clouds. I stop recording. No, just keep going. Are you sure? You look good a, for the listeners. You look awful. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, you did say to me that as well before I was crying. Yeah. That is such a kick to the stomach, isn't it? Mm. It's. I mean, the, Joni, you're right, Joni, love, oh. is a stunning chanteuse. Uh, and that track is lovely. Or by not my usual cup of tea, mm. but it just it's intrinsically linked now to that moment in the film, isn't it? It really is. It's I didn't really know much about Joni Mitchell before seeing the film, uh, before hearing the soundtrack. But it is, I would say, the most important song on the soundtrack. Mm. It's a it's a moment of acceptance, mm. I think, because she. Emma Thompson's character clearly already had suspicions about her husband. Yeah. And that's when those private tears uh, of a of a matriarch of a family mm. who then has to go out, put a brave face on and get down that school hall uh, to, be, to still be there for her kids, to keep that united front 
with the husband that she knows is, is having an affair, this song is it's all that, isn't it? And Dan, have you ever opened a present when you thought you knew what it was going to be and then you've been not very impressed or emotionally scarred by what it actually was? Not that I can think of, Will. Good. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want you to experience that. Oh, thank you. Because that is, I mean, sometimes it's, oh, I know what this is, but actually it's something slightly different. But then there's that when you think it's a very lovely um, piece of jewellery, but it's actually a CD. Of course, we knew it wasn't going to be the jewellery all along Mm. because obviously the prelude to this scene is the hilarious scene with Rowan Atkinson in Selfridges as Rufus... Oh, he's got a name. Shop assistant, yeah. Uh, with the gift wrapping scene. And that is something that um, me and my partner still reference. Whenever it's birthdays or Christmas or we're getting a present or anything like that, it's, uh, would you want it to gift wrapped? <laughs> it's a good impression. Lovely. Lovely. What are you going to do? Dip it in yogurt? <laughs> Enjoying the impressions this episode. Yeah. Might sound more like Mr. Bean, though. It's meant to be uh, up to the... Alan Rickman. Yeah. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, despite what the critics said about this film, nobody can deny Emma Thompson's performance during that scene. That is a stunning performance. I think year on year gets us all. Really, just get the you get the shivers. Well, the, the trouble is now you know it's coming. Yeah, you prepare yourself, uh, and obviously you're enjoying the humorous scene in the department store, but then you know where it's leading off the back of that. Uh, I do think as well. What do I think as well? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, it's also part of this. Part of the 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 fun of this film is seeing how all of the stories connect together. Yeah, and like. With Emma Thompson's character realizing that uh, Hugh Grant is her brother. Yes. And that's how they know each other. And that's, um, but then also, th- I mean, there's, there is a, this school is fantastic because not only is it uh, for sort of very well off middle class children, it's also for the commoners muck kids in Marty McCutcheon's family yes. as well. The sweary, oh no, the kids don't swear, do they? She swears. Mm. Where the fuck is my fucking coat? <laughs> I love just where the fuck is my fucking anything. Wonderful way to, to ask that. Yeah, question. you say that all the time, don't yeah. you? And Will, actually, question for you. Mm. Have you ever had so much ice cream that it's given you a dodgy tum, as, as Emma uh, uses as an excuse in the film? I don't think there is such a thing as so much ice cream, as too much ice cream, is there? Well, unless you're lactose intolerant. In, in which case, stay away from it. Mm. Uh, unless you have a... Dairy free. Yeah, some Ben and Jerry's with some lovely vegan alternatives. Mm. Other brands are available. Tesco Value. And just very quickly about the song. So this is the 2000 uh, re-recording of the track, which Joni Mitchell did for the Both Sides Now album of orchestral reimaginings, which is the version that uh, she gets in the film. She's, that's the, the CD. That's yeah. the CD. Uh, the original track was... Uh, originally released by another artist in 1968 by Judy Collins and then Joni released herself and she uh, wrote it and co-produced it in 1969 from her album Clouds. And then a big surprise this year, she performed it live at a folk festival in Newport. Uh, She hadn't performed live for many, many years and this song was part of her set. What, in South Wales? Uh, In Rhode Island. (laughs) Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) 
Uh, also, I've got an issue as well with uh, Harry's purchasing there. Uh, I would have taken issue more with the fact that um, my husband got his tart a more expensive present than me. And actually, if you were having an affair, you would overcompensate and get your wife something ridiculously over the top and overpriced to hide the fact, not get her a £10 CD. Sounds like you've thought about that too much, actually. I'm a little bit concerned. Don't be. Okay. I think about my uh, consumerism. Track 12, then. God, it's, uh, it's only the second Christmas song on the album so far. This is White Christmas by Otis Redding. I am dreaming Dreaming of a white White Christmas You're just like the one That I used to know So White Christmas there by Otis Redding. Now... Just to talk about the song White Christmas, this is one of the most covered songs, certainly the most covered Christmas song of all time, with over 500 different versions available for your ears. It was originally recorded way back in 1942, written by Irving Berlin, made most famous by Bing Crosby and featured in the film White Christmas, as well as Holiday Inn, I believe. But there are so many incredible, not only so many good covers out there, but so many different versions of the song. We talked about the song from the Phil Spector Christmas album. The Drifters version is everywhere at Christmas as, and it appears in uh, Home Alone and the Santa Claus. And what I love here with Otis Redding's version, which was released after he died in 1968, is this really kind of jazz, funk, like gentle funk, soulful take on it. I think this version is the right version to use within the context of this film and alongside the other artists on the soundtrack, such as Joni Mitchell, Eva Casti, Nora Jones, Dido, etc. Uh, because I love that kind of jazz soul take on it as well. Obviously, Otis Redding's voice is just amazing. Uh, and Dan, what was the moment? This appears in a little bit of a montage, um, but Judy, who is Stacy. I forgot her name from Gavin and Stacey. Joanna Page. Joanna Page kisses Martin Freeman, John, in the film On the Stairs. Fully closed. Yes. They had their dates, didn't they? Yes. And a very weird way to do that, isn't it? To have the date after you've seen each other nude, but it must must happen. Well, that's the joke, isn't it? That's, mm. that's the story. They're almost doing it in reverse. And they were at one point, weren't they? First cowgirl, I think that's called, isn't it? When she was <laughs> yeah. on top. Uh, next up, track 13, went to Wyclef Jean and Charissa, Take Me As I Am. I am there, 
Wyclef and Teresa. Uh, one of the cooler tracks on the soundtrack, edgier mm. tracks for one of the cooler, edgier characters in the film to be featured under. Nancy. Uh, Chris Marshall, star oh, of TV's Death in Paradise. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, no, I'm joking, of course. He, Colin, fancies himself as a bit of a player, a bit of a lad about town, but obviously is a little bit hapless, a little bit gormless. Uh, and uh, in this scene, where this song is from, gets a bit of a dressing down from Julia Davis, a.k.a. the caterer. Yeah, Nancy. Nancy. Nancy, lovey. And, you know, we're just such huge fans of Julia Davis, aren't we? Just any any role she's in, she brings a bit of herself to it, that quite dark, hilarious, but very dark uh, humour and uh, styling. Uh, and this is no exception. So it's wonderful to watch this every year and get a little bit of Julie Davis. Mm. Oh, and Will, I forgot to say right at the start of the episode, I want to send this one out to my vanilla ice cream chocolate pudding pie. Uh, oh, a bit peckish, actually, now. <laughs> Have you got any vanilla ice cream or chocolate pudding or pie? No, I've, I've probably got a frube in the back of the fridge, if you want that. <laughs> a munch bunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I really enjoy this song. I'm always a fan of the Fugees uh, and Wyclef's particular contribution towards that. Agreed. In fact, we do have to do the Fugees on Track by Track at some point. Um, but yeah, Wycliffe's vocal, such a unique thing. Um, I remember loving what he brought to... Do you remember when they did We Are The World 25? Yeah. It was for Haiti. And his... I actually... I used to listen to that a lot at uni. I really got obsessed with that song, that version of the song. Uh, but I loved, Wyclef, I loved Wycliffe on it. And this was from his 2003 album, The Preacher's Son. So next up, huge, iconic Christmas number, but not this version necessarily. This is Olivia Olsen, and all I want for Christmas is you. some work to do there do you know what though will this is one of those songs that it's so iconic it just if you even samantha mumba gave it a good go but it wasn't the same because do you know what's interesting actually just going on a tangent i remember the samantha mumba version was on i had now the christmas album released in the late 90s early noughties and so the original had only been out by that point for less than a decade. It wasn't as iconic as it is now. So they were probably trying at that point to rebrand it and Samantha Mumble was the big new thing. And I remember even at the time thinking, this is okay, but that you can't, already that original is a classic. And here's another example of just, just don't touch it. Don't take on Mariah. No. Like vocally, however old you are, you're just not going to be up to the job. Obviously, uh, in the film, this is the climax uh, right at the school play. Whatever, it's, it seemed to be a hybrid of a talent show, a, uh, a live music performance, uh, a nativity uh, and lobsters. Mm. And this is obviously the girl that Sam fancies. He learned the drums so he could accompany her on this song uh, with the teachers doing the backing vocals. 
which I hope they've been forgiven for now, because the the teacher at the start says, yeah. please, hopefully you can forgive us. He's uh, famous, isn't he? He's a, he's a is he? known is actor, he? I think. I don't know what he's in, but he's, he's, he's known. Recognise his face. Doctors. Mm, probably, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she sings this song, and although everyone loves it in the film, the song uh, isn't a patch on Mariah Carey, as it, as it is every other version covered of this song. Particularly the Justin Bieber and Mariah Carey version, which is just, Mariah, lovely. What were you thinking? Hasn't she got enough money? Well, clearly not. <laughs> what was lovely, though, is that a few years ago, I saw Love Actually with a live orchestra in, I think it was the Theatre Royal, Drury Lane or something like that. And obviously the orchestra are playing the wonderful score, which I haven't really come on to talk about yet. We will do shortly. Um, and then the, the bits of the song would play as they would normally play. But for this, the whole orchestra and band played along with it. And it was a real moment. And this, of course, performed by Olivia Olsen, who I think we probably all thought was going to be a huge, you know, next big, mm. ne- next big thing kind of deal. Uh, didn't go on to do too much, but she did appear on The X Factor Celebrity in 2019 with Vinnie Jones and Martin Bashir. That was a bad idea, wasn't it? It was absolutely terrible. But I have to be honest, I felt really sorry for her because she was kicked out first and she was devastated. She was really crying and she couldn't believe that she'd been kicked out so soon. And she, I can't remember what was said because I've not seen it since. But she muttered something, I remember, that was almost alluding to the fact that she was promised more than, you know, being booted out soon. That she was told by someone it would work well for her. She looked honestly heartbroken. And this wasn't released as a single, but it did appear on the B-side of Billy Mac's Christmas is All Around. Well, if you've recorded the track in the studio. Chuck it out. Yeah, there. get it on. So track 15 then, it's the Beach Boys and God only knows. God only knows that from the Beach Boys. One of the greatest songs of all time, I think I would have to say. Absolutely stunning. And this appears right at the end of the film when all of those different cast members are coming back together in London City Airport. A really (laughs) incredible scene. It's London Luton, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I forget. Uh, Or London Bristol Airport. Is that a thing? No, it's just called Bristol Airport. Oh, you got an airport in Bristol? Be- yes. Oh. oh, that's that's low. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Beach Boys, obviously huge artist, and they are one of those groups where it feels like you know every song of theirs. Yeah. Such is their ubiquity and success with their music. This was one when the film came out. I hadn't heard as much oh. as some of the big ones, but now it is a for me it's a it's a classic and it's just such a sweet end to the film as well isn't it yeah it's it's the perfect track it's a poignant moment i love about this song as well it's not a christmas song nothing about it is christmasy but there's there's just those subtle bells in there that almost like tie it together with the festiveness of the film it's got a real this song has got a real emotional pull to this you know god only knows what i do without you god only knows god only knows god knows uh, but what I love about what they do in the film when this track is playing is they go from the characters to members of the 
great unwashed British public. Yeah. Oh, after a 14-hour flight. Embracing each other. Giving each other COVID in these oh, days. Well, you've got to... Could never imagine, could we? And this was a single. I haven't talked about the charts for a little while. This was released in August of 1966. It was a number two hit, held off the top spot by the Beatles with Yellow Submarine and Eleanor Rigby. But interestingly, at number three that week was the Trogs with With a Girl Like You. Oh. Didn't expect to mention them twice this week. Uh, and do you remember the BBC did a version of this for BBC Music launching in 2014, which featured the world and his wife, including Elton, Kylie, Chris Martin, Florence, One Direction, Jules Holland... Paloma Faith and Samantha Fox. Really? Foxy and Noxy? Was Barbara Knox there? <laughs> I have to say, I do I forgot I had forgotten about it. I do remember it now. But of course, not a patch on Perfect Day for BBC Children Need by various artists. Track 16 now, and this is Lyndon David Hall with All You Need Is Love. Nothing you can do can't be done Love. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung Love. Nothing you can say that you can learn how to play the game It's easy Nothing you can make that can't be made uh, Lyndon David Hall there, who is sadly no longer with us Hmm he sadly passed away in 2006, just three short years after his version of All You Need Is Love was featured in Love. Actually, uh, a Beatles classic. Mm. Uh, I, but I love this version. Yeah. Absolutely love this version. And of course, we do know without even looking into it. Not that we've been doing that this episode, but without even looking into it, we know where this featured. If you don't know... It was uh, during the wedding scene, right at the start. During the wedding of a 17-year-old girl and a man who was easily in his mid to late 20s. It was a different time. <laughs> and obviously this was the big surprise that Andrew Lincoln's character had set up. Uh, this big song number in the church with, I don't know how that man got his trombone underneath uh, a pew in the church. <laughs> but the orchestra pop- popping up. Uh, from various locations in the congregation. And then you had the big choir. I mean, it was in a huge church. Again, no expense spared on that no. wedding between that very young girl uh, and the and the grown-up man. <laughs> quite right, quite right. And, you know, I'm engaged, wedding coming up. I'd like to plan something like this for the guests. But I think for me, it would have to be something synth-poppy. So everyone's hiding some... Uh, some synthesizers and electric, electric drum machines and whatnot. Oh, Cables leave, running leave it, everywhere. Leave it with me. I'll well, see if steps are free. Well, if it's five, six, seven, eight, perhaps you could hide a little fiddle at the back of the church <laughs> for the intro. I thought as well as an extra little kick, I could get Lisa Scott Lee to officiate. Oh, she would as well. She's lovely. Friend of the podcast. And we say that with honesty. Real, real genuine. Mm. Yeah, real genuine. Uh, but yeah, really good version of this song and another one of those very memorable, uh, well, slightly preposterous scenes in the film. Yeah. So track 17 then, and we're on to the last proper song on the album and the last song we're going to talk about in detail. This is Gabrielle and Sometimes. 
rules not easy but feeling strong yes little things that keep me holding on keep me holding keep me sometimes holding. I love you sometimes I That I never, ever, never want to let you go So sometimes there from Gabrielle Now I have to say, Gabrielle, incredible voice And actually it was really fun to see her take part in The Masked Singer I think it was at the start of this year Could have been a previous year, it's all a bit of a blur um, Iconic voice, some huge hits but on this soundtrack, filled with iconic classic songs, new takes on classic songs, more original songs from the time, doesn't really stand out, does it? No. Also, what is the point in having someone like Gabrielle on The Masked Singer when she's got such a distinctive voice? Well, I have to say, Will, I'm, you know, watching it with my working out pen and paper, I didn't get her straight away. She, she, she disguised it. I don't watch the mass singer, so I don't know how much they do that on there. So, uh, but I would just think no, it would be it would be obvious. I have to say, love Gabrielle and a lot of her work. Not one of my favourites of hers. This one, and this is so much so I can't remember where it sits in the film because for me it just sounds like play it out over the titles at the end. Yeah, likewise, don't remember where it featured. Have had a little look into it and can't find it. I think it's just a bit of a little bit of background. Um, it's a shame. I even wonder if it's from a, a cut scene. So from Gabrielle, we ha- there are three tracks left on the soundtrack, uh, all credited to Craig Armstrong. Dan, who is he? Craig Armstrong is a composer. We have spoken about him before on the podcast because he worked with Pet Shop Boys on the Nightlife album. He also worked with Baz Luhrmann on the Moulin Rouge and Great Gatsby films. Um, and I was lucky enough to see him live a few years ago at... Islington Assembly Hall or the the church up that way I forget what it's called now um, where he played some of his uh, original classical pieces uh, some of his film score work and he played parts of these bits from Love Actually and they just sounded incredible Um, but yeah an incredible musician who's done lots of different things and you can actually get the whole score uh, which is available as well as these three songs that feature one here but it's iconic, isn't it? The music, mm. the, these uh, Glasgow love theme, PM's love theme, Portuguese love theme, they are iconic. They're just as part, just as integral part of the movie as the actors, as the fantastic uh, locations, mm. very ubiquitous of London, and, and also of the soundtrack songs from uh, other music artists as well. And you can hear a little bit just underneath as we've been talking now, just to give you a flavour of some of that. But do check out uh, the full uh, original score soundtrack, which is also available. So that's tracks 18, 19 and 20. Glasgow love theme, PM's love theme and Portuguese custard tarts. Oh, oh pasta de lata. Absolutely, absolutely delicious. Interestingly, Will, on the US soundtrack, they don't feature. Bit too highbrow? Yes. So, that's Love Actually. That's Love Actually. No further listening this time. because It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. We've got to go wrap our presents up. We've got to, you're going to get make some cocktails. And, uh, and we've had quite enough already. 
And I've got to relax and turn down all of my invites, actually. Normally do anyway. Let us know what you think of the Love Actually soundtrack, but also let us know what you think about us doing music soundtracks on Track by Track. Yeah. Could it be an avenue for us to further venture down? Well, that's that's an idea, isn't it? Mm. Also, I want to take this moment to say a huge thank you for supporting the podcast throughout this year and particularly for supporting us on Patreon, which allows us to put out as much content, quality content as possible, uh, including, of course, including, of course, not only these Patreon-only episodes, but new series like Further Listening. And loads more exclusive Patreon-only content coming uh, in 2023. Yes, some news coming in January uh, to kick off the new year. But until then, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the break. Enjoy the break. I've been Dan. And I've been Will. Oh, Merry Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Did they ever lock him up? Uh, I'm not sure. They fingered the wrong guy, didn't they? <laughs> We've all fingered the wrong guy. <laughs>